Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own research analysis before making any investment based on your personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our website or podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. Let me ask you something, man. Don't stop. I'm not finished yet. Do you ever ask yourself? Don't stop. I'm not when finished When are they ever going to stop? Do you ever ask yourself? When those bad boys are going to stop making all that money? What's up, my future one percenters? This is Marathon Money brought to you by MarathonMoneyPlus.com. I'm Cam Jones, the prince of the stock market, a.k.a. your favorite billionaire's favorite thousandaire. And I'm here with my boy... Kenny Coins, what's up, man? Man, it's been good. It's been good. Market's been market's been down. Inflation rate is nine point one percent. Man, it's, <laughs> it's it's not it's not looking good. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Well, before we talk about that kind of stuff, we got to introduce. We have a um, guest on the show today. His name is Chris Walsh. What's up, Chris? How's it going? I've been looking at inflation and the stock market eight times a day too. So <laughs> put it all down and not look for a couple months. So, so that's basically what I I'm with you on that one. It's almost it's better just to be surprised at the supermarket. Oh, it's up two dollars more. You see, be surprised at the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, you want to tell uh, the listeners um, what you do? Sure. I'm the CEO and founding editor of MJ Biz, which stands for Marijuana Business. And uh, we've been we've been around for almost 12 years. We provide news and analysis and market research and live business events for the cannabis industry uh, across the country and across the globe. OK, that's pretty cool, man. So, you know, we we talk about man we haven't really talked about marijuana stocks or businesses on this podcast for a couple of months because you know i had high hopes or we kenny and i we had high hopes for you know the marijuana business about you know four or five years ago and it just hasn't took off the way that we thought it would um so where in in the in the cannabis business what are the biggest growth areas well, I mean, to your point, when you're looking at cannabis stocks, they're, uh, they're a crapshoot. Um, they don't really trade on anything. They don't trade on fundamentals. They don't, they don't really mirror the overall markets, ups and downs. No one knows what to really make of them. You know, it's still federally illegal. So when you're talking about opportunities in stocks, it's really longer term companies that you think are, uh, if you do your due diligence, right, that you think will, will rise to the top under kind of a federal legalization or federal re reform situation. And they're hard to pick out, but there's there's companies there that you can look for that have solid fundamentals uh, that are really growing in a responsible way. They have a strategy for their growth across the country um, and they, they are picking and choosing markets to expand into and developing national brands based on a thesis that you can understand and not just there's other companies that are just kind of grabbing wherever they can, trying to get a foothold across the country, 
and they're hemorrhaging money and uh, their financials don't look very good because they're going for footprint. Now, some of those might make it, right? And so some of those could be good bets, but we've seen this time and again in a lot of industries uh, that um, that model sometimes fails spectacularly uh, when investors start saying, okay, when are you going to make a profit? Mm -hmm. um, so, so on the stock market, that's kind of how I view it. But in the industry in general, what you're seeing is uh, an industry that's maturing. So you have some, some kind of old school states that legalized you know, uh, a decade ago and started their medical or recreational marijuana industries, California, Oregon, Colorado, Washington State. Uh, and those, the opportunities are smaller right now because they're kind of saturated and they're going through the maturation stage and it's getting harder to compete. Uh, where you see a lot of the opportunities is actually in the eastern part of the country now. A lot of people associate the marijuana industry with the West Coast where it kind of originated, but now you have New York, you have New Jersey, you know, you have Connecticut, they're legalizing recreational marijuana. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of interest in that region, uh, spanning from cultivation to making infused gummies and chocolates and, and uh, lozenges, you know, all the way to the retail side and, and, uh, and, and then everything that supports the industry that doesn't touch the plant you know, whether it's, it's the vendors, it's the service providers, the, the taxers, lawyers, uh, you name it. There's a whole ecosystem out there of opportunities. Right. Man, I got a question. Go ahead, Kenny. How, how easy it is to get into the marijuana business? It's not. Um, <laughs> so in, in the early days, if you wanted, and in, in, let's, let's choose Colorado, that's where we're based. In Denver, you know, when we started in 2011, there were dispensaries that started with $10,000 or less. They started growing in their homes and then, uh, you know, selling to patients, quote unquote. It's kind of, uh, you know, what was it really patients back then before regulations? Yeah, we, we, we ain't going to get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and they were able to, to open storefronts in kind of dilapidated areas where, you know, a lot of businesses didn't want to be because it was marijuana, right? So you could go in these these areas of town and you could open for very, very uh, limited amounts of money and resources. And so you'll read stories from back then of successful companies that grew up with the industry that got started for, for almost nothing. Now, if you want to do something that touches the plant, so that's grow it, you know, cultivation. If you want to process it into infused products, or if you want to sell it at a retail level in many States, you're talking uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not, you know, into the millions because of the regulations now that each state has put around this industry. And, and I'd like to just uh, counter that with the other part of the industry is those, as I mentioned earlier, we call them ancillary companies and they provide services to the industry or to consumers. They don't touch the plant. That's the barriers there are much lower. So if you're in marketing or you're a finance person or investor, whatever you do, there's a need for it in cannabis. Barriers are much lower and there's not all the regulations. Um, there's challenges, but so you can get in if you're not touching the plant uh, a lot easier. So it depends really where you want to play. Basically, if you just but long term. My bad, Cam. I was just saying, basically, if you just want to throw money at it and then just wait, it's easy to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but long, but long term, touching the plant is where the money's at. Well, um, it, it is a lot of it, but, uh, you know, like we're an ancillary company and we just sold to a mainstream 
events and uh, events company that does business events. And it was a high dollar figure. Um, and they came in, they're publicly traded. So you can make a lot of money on the ancillary side. But, uh, you know, on the plant touching side, there are immense challenges. It's very difficult to get involved. But yeah, that's where the ultimate opportunity is. If you become the McDonald's or the Starbucks or the Coca-Cola or the Amazon, you know, use any analogy you want of cannabis, um, you know, there, there's going to be billionaires created for sure. <laughs> the um, One thing that I have not, I'm struggling to understand is why it's taking so long to become just in general uh, legalized because, um, you know, I see a lot of states that's hurting for tax revenue and this is just the easy, you know, you know, you could you could get a lot of tax money from this. Uh, so instead of raising taxes and all these levies and things like that, why wouldn't they just legalize marijuana? Yeah, I mean, you can look at it from two different sides and you can say, wow, this is taking forever, right? And when you're in the industry, it feels that way. Every year in cannabis feels like, we call it pot years. A year in cannabis <laughs> is like five years in any other industry. It's so crazy. It's, it changes all the time. Uh, it's, it's, it moves at a breakneck pace. So if you're in it, you know, 10 years does feel like 40, 50. But if you look historically and zoom out, the amount of change we've seen around marijuana in a decade is is immense like think of when you grew up right and 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 marijuana i mean you would you would go to jail for years you know decades uh it was a serious business to get into underground and you could get in big trouble and so now you have you know well over half the country is legalized medical 19 states have legalized recreational um you have big big companies getting in and big investors and so i think it has moved quickly but um, the reason it has moved more quickly is because there's a lot of holdouts. There's a lot of stigma around the plant still that is held over, you know, from decades of misinformation and demonizing it. And so it's taking a long time to get past that for some people. And where you see that is particularly in red states. And this isn't a political uh, comment, but it's it's true. You know, some of the, the red states have held out, you know, on medical and recreational. That's starting to change significantly. But you know, those kind of old conservative attitudes have dominated uh, for a very long time when it comes to marijuana. And so we're getting there. Uh, we still got a long way to go when you think this industry generates 25 to $30 billion in retail sales in the U.S. every year. The legal, the legalized, state legalized, regulated industry, that's how much it generates, but it's still federally illegal. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. What, what's the next states that you think will legalize? That's a really good question. I mean, there's um, a handful that could legalize this year, and I'm hesitant to give out specifics because it can always change. Um, you know, there's some states in the South where we'll likely see some medical legalization and a couple states on the recreational side. These will be smaller states, um, smaller markets. And, uh, you know, I think the big prize is still left when you look at opportunities, you know, is Florida legalizing recreational, you know, massive market. They have medical now. It's dominated by two dozen companies. Um, so hopefully if and when they legalize, that'll be a massive market and they'll open it up to more people to get involved. Um, Texas has a very limited uh, CBD. That's the part of cannabis that doesn't get you high. You've probably seen it all over the place at airports and, mm -hmm. you know, 7-Elevens. Um, it's, it's not really a medical marijuana program. It's, it's moving in that direction. But, you know, if they loosen that up, if they legalize recreational, that's a huge new market. So we have some big markets out there on the horizon 
Uh, but you know, we've, we've hit a lot of them already, especially when you get New York and New Jersey legalizing recreational. And now, as I mentioned, it's starting to move into those uh, red states, you know, like South Dakota and o Oklahoma has the largest medical cannabis industry by um, sales, mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy. You know, red state, it opposed it and then it passed it. And there's like, it's like a wild west. You can get in for cheap there, <laughs> but you get in and the competition's tough and they're not really enforcing the regulations. Um, so you're, you're seeing, you're seeing a change and, you know, I, I think you'll just see every year we just see more states legalize and more states, you know, and that's why we're at, you know, the vast majority, uh, almost 40 to have legalized medical. How does like technology and innovation play a part in this industry? Like I look at someone like, uh, like a weed maps, right. And I see, you know, where, where. Where do they stand in an industry like this? Yeah, I think that what you've had is this industry has been buffered from a lot of the competitive threats that are out there because mainstream companies, people with a lot of expert, deep expertise in certain areas have been hesitant to get involved because it's federally illegal. So you've had this industry evolve in a weird, strange, unique way, which has been great because a lot of people have found business opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise been able to get in. Um, so you don't have the Amazons and the Googles in it now. So when you talk about technology, um, you had people that were kind of grew up around the plant, loved the smoke, uh, you know, they, they said, Hey, I got a business opportunity, right? And they might've said, I know technology, I'm going to list all the dispensaries in a state online, like a Yelp, and you can do reviews. And, and that's kind of what, what weed maps did. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you didn't have Yelp coming in. You didn't have a trip, you know, trip advisor, whoever you want to compare it to. So what you're seeing now is that more experienced professionals from the outside from the mainstream are coming in and they're 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 joining cannabis companies they're starting them and they're giving their expertise uh and and helping build new models so innovation in general has been relatively slow going there's been some great innovation along the way but it's been uh kind of holstered by the federal situation and the the barriers of of entry of people who just don't want to be associated with it again that's changing very quickly Mm -hmm. I got a question also about um, Philip Morris had dominated the tobacco market for like decades. They're getting into, they're like buying acres and acres, hundreds of acres to literally get into the marijuana business. I feel like a company like that will not only like they would dominate, but like kind of put that will like destroy it. Because now with so many marijuana, you can like lace it with different things. Now you can infuse it with like so many different things. Um, do you feel like in the future, some of those things will end up being poisonous instead of just the plant? You know, I mean, the industry's had a, a an interesting history with that because there hadn't been testing regulations for years, right? States just weren't paying attention. And so you didn't know what was going into it. And, uh, and there were issues with that. And even now, the testing side is all over the board. So one lab might give some reading and another might give a completely different reading. Um, there's been recalls because of issues. Uh, there's no federal regulations on it, right? So there's no federal standards for even how you test or what you test for. So every state's completely different. And then the labs are completely different because there's no standardization there either. So they're using different methodologies, right? So that's a huge thing the industry has been working towards. Um, to your question, Kenny, the, you know, there's, 
there's mixed feelings and a lot of them are negative about these big companies that that are gearing up as you said we know these big companies are gearing up we've been seeing it for years you know name your industry and they're gearing up alcohol tobacco consumer you know cpg technology all of them are waiting till they can feel comfortable with the federal situation to get involved so um yeah there's a lot of fear that you'll have say a big tobacco company come in and use a bunch of chemicals in an industry and a consumer base that typically is more for kind of organic and not mass produced stuff. And, um, and, you know, we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, so it's, it's not, you know, legalization will open the door to that. Right. So you'll talk to many people in the industry who say, I don't even want legalization because we're, we're growing now how we want to, or roughly, um, how we want to, uh, without people like the big tobacco companies or the big alcohol companies, coming in. Now they're starting to. Tobacco companies have made investments. They're starting to get involved. Alcohol companies. Constellation Brands is one of the largest uh, liquor distributors in the world. And uh, it made a big bet in Canada on a uh, cannabis company. It hasn't gone very well, but all these companies are circling, right? And uh, and are, are going to get involved at some point. And the only thing I'll say to that really quickly, though, is it's not, it's not just because of Philip Morris uh, has this previous success that they are uh, guaranteed to dominate this industry. Um, what we've seen is that companies and individuals come in. And it's a completely different industry in how it works. And your old playbook that you use to make you successful doesn't work in this one. A lot of hubris comes in and big companies fail. Uh, they have failed. Doesn't mean they will uh, or always will or all of them have. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're looking at investment opportunities, you're like, I'm going to bet on this big alcohol or tobacco company because they're going to dominate this. You got to be careful because it's a fragmented industry. Every state does it differently. You don't know the lingo. You don't know how they do the business here and you can fall flat on your face. Mm -hmm. That part, I, I understand. I completely agree with you that uh, a big company moving into a different industry might is not going to guarantee 100 percent, maybe not even 50 percent. But my thing is that when big companies step in is that their goal is to not only mass produce, but make it as addictive as possible. You know what I mean? And that, like, I believe at one point tobacco wasn't that addictive. You know what I mean? I think over time is to make more money, mass produce it. They made it more addictive. Yeah. Um, and that, and it might take 10 or 15 more years, but you get bigger companies, they're trying to push out more and more product and they're trying to get more and more consumers and they're trying to get more and more new people to start smoking uh, marijuana. That's that's where I feel like when you federally legalize it, that's where you, that's one of the biggest problems you run into. And because you're going to try to push as many people to start picking up this new wave of relaxment. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if it's new though. Is it? Is it really new? No, it's not a. It's, it's not new, but like legal way. Okay, a new legal way of doing something, and that's my biggest worry because for me as a as a investor, it, I'd rather take a bet on the small guy, you know, because. If I put two, three grand on the small guy, my, my investment is going to turn into, in a couple of years, hopefully a million dollars. That's like, because you're starting from the smallest, they're probably the only people in that space. Philip Morris is already big. So they're going to, all their goal is to try to get three times bigger. 
So the way I feel is though for them to do that, they're going to find a way to make it more addictive and that will cause another issue. And then the stigma will come back. I mean, it, it absolutely could. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a uncharted waters we're going into. Uh, we know how big companies, when they come industries, what happens, right? The smaller people get pushed out. There's mass consolidation to your point. Um, it doesn't always lead to the best situation for consumers. Uh, and they, they do employ all their power and money to get you to click, to spend, to use as much as possible and to use all that data and methodologies. Right. So I totally get that concern. Um, I'm hoping that the industry develops, uh, more like the craft beer industry or the beer industry in general, you know, where for, it, it wouldn't take the same timeline, but for a while there was only a couple beers you could really get, right. Uh, a lot of crappy beers. And then um, you have these these craft breweries, which are everywhere now, right? And they spread around the country, and they've eaten into the share. Like in in the Denver area, you know, you just there's instead of a neighborhood liquor uh, liquor store or bar, there's a brewery, mm-hmm. and um, and so they've really cut into that because consumers want that. And and cannabis is very similar. There will be a market for kind of that mass produced uh, side of it, but there's going to be a huge market that doesn't want that at all, and they're going to support the smaller players, the smaller brands, the craft mentality. Uh, and I really think that that's what will happen. You will see a bifurcation of the market. Uh, now, which percentage goes which way? I don't know. Um, but I, I don't see a huge, um, overwhelming appetite for mass produced cannabis. Now, people say it will become a commodity, the actual cultivation of it and the plant. But when you're putting that into drinks, when you're making that into infused products, you know, that that adds a whole new dimension to it. I was I was just going to ask you, about drinks but before i do that man i just gotta say i'll go i'm i don't agree with kenny here about <laughs> when he talks about the big okay i know i agree with him when he talks about the the big companies and they you know try to make it more addictive and and their goal is to get bigger but see me i don't i don't smoke and i don't drink I, my primary thing is i want to invest in it so if i'm as an investor i want to make money so of course when i invest i want the company to be thinking man i want to grow three times and whatever they got to do to do that you know to me it's fine with me i'm not the one using it you know what i'm saying is that does that make? Oh, me- I'm with you on that. I'm st- I'm still buying the stock. I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get twisted. I'm still buying the stock. But uh, I'm what I'm trying to say is that a lot of times you'll notice is like over time those small players won't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Where like yeah. you might have a a small mom and pop shop where you go and got you got some good weed, good marijuana now because they can't they can't pay the regulation fees. They can't pay all these new laws now they're gone because the, what happens is with those bigger companies what end up happening is they do so much towing the line they come up with new laws laws yeah, only they, get they, formed when you tow that line so many times yeah they, so, they, they have the lobbying money to shape the regulations that we're seeing that play out in the industry where some of the big companies are affecting the regulations to to say hey instead of having 200 licenses for retail stores, why don't you just approve 20? And then we're gonna get five of them or 10 of them and have a massive control of the market. You're seeing that play out, absolutely. So you have a great point. Um, One of the things though is there's a huge, um, 
well, two things. One is those small players will also get acquired. So, right, if you if you choose the good ones, um, as the big ones come in, you know, you've got an investment return there uh, with a great multiple potentially. And we're seeing that already. There's chain stores developing over the last four or five years in many markets that are kind of, you know, some have 20, 30 locations in a state. And to do that, a lot of times they've acquired some of the smaller players. Uh, in some cases, they pushed them out too, of course. You're seeing brands now develop on the infused product side that are now in multiple states through licensing deals. You can't ship marijuana across state lines, so they've come up with ways to extend their brands nationally. Um, you know, if, if one of those companies, we just had one called Juana that's out of Colorado, uh, very well-known infused products brand makes gummies, marijuana-infused gummies, and they were just bought at a massive multiple um, by a Canadian company. And so, you know, that's another uh, avenue here. And the other thing I'd say, though, is, is the, the state regulations also make it very difficult, you know, for, for a company to come in and just dominate. Because, as I mentioned, you can't ship across state lines, right? So there's no central distribution or production points. So a Philip Morris or whoever relies on, you know, efficiencies and economies of scale. Well, guess what? You have to have a facility in every state. And it's got different regulations and some of them have ownership clauses and rules. Uh, so it's going to be very hard, at least as currently constructed for a big company to come in. And even if the federal government said, you know, cannabis can be legalized according to state rules, essentially it's legal. Every state has a different way it's doing it. Um, so that would take a long time to play out. And lastly, I'll say that there's also a huge so social equity push in the industry, which was long overdue. You know, one of the big criticisms of the cannabis industry is that um, it's people like me in it, right? Uh, I wasn't affected by the war on drugs as much as others. And so, you know, now if it costs hundreds of thousands or millions, you're excluding a lot of people from getting in. And I'm not saying I have that much money. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's there's a lot of white middle-aged males in it, right? And so there's a big push to by states to make sure that the people most affected by the war on drugs they were going to jail over way higher proportions uh, for for cannabis possession. Have an opportunity now. So you have states in Cal like California, which have created social equity licenses, and they you know they they will even give you extra points or however you want to describe it if you were convicted in the past. It's not an it's not a negative mark if you're trying to get a license. It's actually a positive because they're trying to bring people into the industry. So there's also going to be opportunities there that the big companies can't touch. And that are are there for investment, whether it's an angel investment or whether it's uh, you know eventually is a stock. Now I was, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Well, I guess I'm not really that glad because it took away a little bit of the of the sting of my question. But I was gonna ask you, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask you You're why. Gonna do, <laughs> I was gonna ask you why do you think, um not that many black people are in the space, but you kind of answered the question, you know, the effect of war on drugs is the, you know, it sets people back a little bit. And I know here I'm in Ohio, Kenny is in New York and in Ohio, I don't think they legalized recreation yet, but they did med medical, <clears throat> medical. Yep. And I know they're gearing up for recreation. Something had passed or uh, out here. It, it's not fully legal yet, but, it, uh, it will be in the near future. And I know that they are taking applications for licenses, but they reserve X amount for only minorities, you know, but, and when I looked into it, you know, 
man, it costs you just like, you know, $15,000 just to look at the paperwork, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And again, that's that's been the evolution is that even to get a pinky toe in, in the game to see if you could even qualify and, and make a go at it and get a license, it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this whole social equity movement, there is not, there will not be a state this is my prediction. There will not be a state going forward that legalizes without a social equity component. It has been a part of almost every new state in the last two years. It was not even in the discussion five years ago. We've been doing surveys on diversity and women, women and minority ownership for several years. This wasn't a big discussion five or six years ago. Now it is one of the top discussions and there's controversy around it. Right. And, and every state's trying it differently. It's good that the industry is embracing it. Legislators are embracing it. There's no clear model that's going to work for everyone or that's that's going to you know have the intended purposes. It's all an experiment right now, um, but it is baked into the industry now. And to your point, um, you know, you still need a lot of money in a lot of cases. And if you if you get uh, if you get some help by getting a social equity license or applying for that, it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still expensive, um, but you do have people with capital that want to partner. You know, yeah. for whether you whether you like their reasoning or not, but sometimes that's their way in the door and you're the you're the majority owner. But, you know, they're maybe controlling 30, 40 percent and they want in a hot market um, and they're teaming up with someone you know who could apply for social equity. One You're seeing a lot of that. Um, but uh, and then again, controversy too. some of these aren't the programs aren't working the way they were intended. Um, but I do think these will. These efforts will help diversify the industry and open the door for more people to get involved and and find the money that they need now to start a business in this industry because it's a lot more than it used to be. Man, um, we coming up here on our, our thirty minute mark. Oh, I, I got one more question, yeah, I had, man. I had what, one what more stocks? too, man. We gonna have to go over. Hey, what, stock, to- <laughs> what's, what stocks do you know, like marijuana stocks right now? In your opinion, that five years from now, three to five years from now. When if things go the right way, that you see can be like potentially dominating the market. Now, this is a question I cannot answer uh, because <laughs> because I'm, we run a media company too, and yeah. we are objective, and we don't give our opinions on specific companies. Is what I can tell you is the, which I know is a big bummer. I know you, you know, I get asked this all the time. Family, they're like, come on, tell me, tell me who to get you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, can't tell you. Um, but, you know, again, it goes back to how we started. I think it's like any other investment. You, you got to understand the industry, at least basically, and, and what the company is doing. And so where you're finding the biggest opportunities are the what we call MSOs. They're, they're multi-state operators. These are companies that have found a way to win licenses and operate dispensaries, cultivation facilities, infused product brands in multiple states. It could be four states. Some are up to 15 states as these big national companies develop. Um, they've got to win licenses in every state. They can do it through acquisitions, partnerships, uh, or winning them on their own. Um, but these uh, are where people are placing their bets. Which ones rise to the top, I can't tell you. Um, I don't know, but you know, you have to figure out where you think the industry is going and does, does this company seem to grasp what it needs to get there? And so some of these publicly traded companies these MSOs, again, they're just throwing darts at a map and saying, we're going to this state and this state and this state. 
Maybe that'll pay off. Right. Others have a very that's, strong strategy. That's that's my problem. Because yeah. even if you get a company with a good foundation, at the end of the day, because it's not federally legal, you you don't know the repercussion or the consequences, good or bad, when it does get federally legal. Because you be you could think it go left and then get federally legal, it goes right. You know what I mean? So so it's that's the reason why I asked the question because it's still the wild west. It's just a little bit more controlled, but it's not as controlled as like the car industry or the tobacco industry or the uh, liquor industry. It's not as controlled as that. So it's still so a company that could be dominating now don't mean that they're going to be dominating in ten years or yeah. five. And, and you know, there's there's um there's funds out there, right? There's there's uh, basically index funds for cannabis. And yep. may, maybe you spread out your risk and and go for something that's across the industry. If you believe in the future of the industry and you think, when, you know, when legalization happens, when there's, it won't be again, every state it's legal, uh, says the federal government. It will be a bank change to the banking situation. You know, the cannabis companies can't use traditional banks right now in many cases. That would be a huge market mover. Um, a change to the tax code. They can't take common business deductions. That would be a huge market mover. Uh, and then anything that said states can decide on their own under these circumstances, it's no longer completely illegal. Any of these would move the market as a whole up, right? But without one of those catalysts, it's going to be volatile. It's going to go up and down. You're going to be barfing one day when you look at it and then jumping out of your chair the next because it's up and it won't make any sense. Yeah. That's how the industry is likely going to move until something bigger happens or individual companies too. I know we um, got you on here a little, little longer than 30 minutes, but I just, my, my last question is um, uh, where, where in your opinion is the hottest market right now? Not really like where they making the most money or whatever, but like you see everyone going that when they, when they talk about it, they like want to go here to this state or whatever to, you know, do this. New York, New York, New York, New York. I thought yeah. she was going to say Vegas. Um, no, you know, Nevada's had it for a couple of years now and it's had some opportunities, but New York is, is the big market right now. You know, population size, influence, uh, you know, opening the door to recreational marijuana there is huge. So, you know, we don't you can sell it. You can sell on the street of 42nd Times Square. There's yeah. people on the corner selling it. Literally have their own little stand. Selling out their car, pushing out the window. And, and I will tell you that while there's a lot of hype in New York and there is a lot of potential, that is the danger. And we saw that in California <laughs> because if you don't yeah. if you don't get that under control, um, then the companies that pay all the money for regulations and to to abide by all the regulations aren't going to be able to compete against the illicit market. Mm -hmm. So New York yeah. has like a hands-off approach now. I was just there too, and I was like, "Wow, they don't really, they don't care anymore." No, no, New York don't, New York don't care. New, like it's everywhere. New York don't care. Like I seen, like I seen a guy. He has his van. He took a sheet of paper, uh, ten dollars for an ounce, and just put it on his window. That's it. That's, it. That's his yeah. whole <laughs> whole store. It's in his van. But like New York don't care. Cops ride by all day, don't say nothing. It's uh it's a it's a it 
pretty much like the wild, wild west here. That's it. Yeah. You can you can literally have it in a backpack and walk around and sell it and nothing will happen to you. Now, a year ago, yeah, you'll get stopped. You'll get you'll get arrested. But now nobody cares. Yeah. And if that doesn't change, then the the legit companies that spring up are going to have a very difficult time. But that's where all the hype is now. Almost everyone is looking for some type of play in New York right now. So um, it was good having you, Chris. Uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. Yeah, it's mjbiz.com is our uh, is our website. And I think, you know, through there, we have our big conference, MJBizCon in Vegas coming up in, uh, in November. Mm. We get, you know, 35,000 plus business people from the industry, from outside. We have 1,400 exhibitors. It's it's crazy. No no product on the show floor. You know this is uh, it's not allowed. But this is a professional business conference for the industry. So me and Kenny can go. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess we'll let you in. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, um, you can find me anywhere uh, at Camboni one one C A M B O N I one one on uh, Stock Twits, um, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. You can also find me on the Trader Champ app. Make sure you download that. And uh, where can they find you, Kenny? Kenny Collin23 on Instagram. Kendrick Collin, two ends in the middle on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening. And peace. Peace, man. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having appreciate me. it. Yeah.